0: Welcome to Enhancing the Human Experience. I'm Mark Phillips, and I am really glad you tuned in today. If you have listened to some of the recent podcasts, specifically episode 109, where I had Suzanne Michelle join me on the podcast to share her work, then you are going to love this episode. I have Jess Maitrey joining me today for the podcast to talk about her work with Yothera and her also collaborative work with Suzanne. Of course, they are the team that brings us Rise Journeys. And Suzanne talked a little bit about Rise Journeys in episode 109. So I was really excited to reach out to Jess and invite her to come on the show and share her work and also her portion, what she brings to Rise Journeys and that collaborative effort. So I'm really, really excited to jump into this episode. Before we do that, let me take care of a little bit of housekeeping stuff. First off, if you follow me on social media at gmarkphillips for Instagram or at gmarkphillips fan on Facebook, you probably saw that I recently posted you can now listen to the podcast on iHeartRadio. That's the newest platform that I've put the podcast up on and just to give more options, you know, I don't know how many iHeartRadio people are out there if you're an iHeartRadio person. But at least it's there, and I checked it out, and it's coming in really clear over there on iHeartRadio, so that's another option. So let's run through the options just for maybe new listeners or those of you who don't know where you can capture the podcast or listen to the podcast app. For starters, of course, it is on Apple Podcasts. It's also on Google Podcasts. That's where I listen to it because I'm a Google person. And you can also listen to it on Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify, Alexa, did you know you could listen on Alexa? Well, you can. And there's a couple things you need to do with setting up that Alexa skill. And probably one day down the road, I'll put that on my website somewhere. It's very simple. If you're an Alexa person, you probably already know how to do it. It's a few simple steps, but you can set that up to listen on your Alexa device, or you can also listen on YouTube. Now, I push YouTube quite a bit as far as a platform to listen to the podcast because you can sort them and make playlists and add it to certain playlists that you already have in your YouTube account. So you can, you know, I like YouTube because it's easy to manage. Plus you can see comments below certain podcasts, including my most popular podcast, which was the podcast I did on the golden key with them at Fox. A lot of people commenting and, and adding to the conversation there. So that's why I like YouTube is it's a great platform to kind of come together and share other knowledge and share books. And, and Hey, I learn a lot from the people that comment and have gotten resources from some of those people, so it's really, I really like YouTube. I even prefer people to go there and leave a comment or feedback on the episode, including today's episode, if you have it. That way it starts a conversation. It's just a great platform for that. So those are the places you can listen to the podcast. And before we get into this episode, I just thought I would share a few random quotes from Boundless Joy, 101 Timeless Reminders of Our True Nature. This was the first book of quotes that I put together way back in 2013. Was it 2013 or 2012? I think it was 2013. Well, actually, I should look into the cover here. Uh, It is 2013. So for those of you familiar with this book, this is the I dug through all of my favorite quotes on joy and all of the, you know, from spiritual masters, from like traditional Western folks, all of the people that talk about joy and put them together in this quote, 101 Timeless Reminders. And this was just my attempt to, you know, one, help myself tune in to the joy that is inside of me. And, you know, I really do believe that we come from joy. We are always, we always have access to the joy that we are. And then we're going to return to joy again, wherever we go from this physical experience here. But let me just going to pull a few random quotes here from this one. Uh, The first one, let's go with this. Man loves because he is love. He seeks joy, for he is joy. He thirsts for God, for he is composed of God, and he cannot exist without Him. That's by Sathaya Saya Baba. Now, that may get that name a little off, but... One of the quotes from Boundless Joy, man loves because he is love. That's so awesome. Let's choose another couple of quotes here before we jump into the interview here. This one is from Kristen Kristen Zambuca. Turn your gaze inward, correct yourself and your world will change. Turn your gaze inward, correct yourself and your world will change. From Kristen Zambuca. One more randomly selected quote here. And it is, oh, of course, a simple, short and simple one from Buddha. The way is not in the sky, the way is in the heart. The way is not in the sky, the way is in the heart from Buddha. So that's a little sampling of some of the quotes you can find in 101 Timeless Reminders of Our True Nature, Boundless Joy, available in on Amazon in either paperback or Kindle. I think the Kindle is... 99 cents, and the paperback's just super inexpensive as well. But great little reminders for a little tune-up, because in my own journey, my own experience here, I find that it's the daily tune-ups that we do that keep us high vibration, tuned into what we really are. So it's just these, these daily practices. So a little nice integration to a daily practice, boundless joy. Okay, super excited for this episode. I am really thrilled to share this episode with you and it's my interview with Jess Maitrey. Now, for those of you who listen to the podcast, you may be familiar with episode 109, where I asked Suzanne Michelle to join me and talk about her work and her as a transformation and intuitive coach and also her work on Rise Journeys. I met through Suzanne through a group that I'm part of and it was an awesome episode and I just learned so much. And there was you know, just so much goodness in what she's doing with her collaborative partner, Jess Mitri. And so I reached out to Jess and asked her to be a part of the podcast and share her experience. And I was thrilled that she uh, agreed to that. So this is what you're going to be listening to in this episode today. So a little bit of background on Jess. She is the owner of Yothera. She does uh, yoga therapy, and as well as tantric breath therapy and a number of other counseling type therapies. She talks about all that in the episode and unpacks her work a little bit, but also we also talk about her work in Rise Journeys. A lot of goodness in this episode and a lot of knowledge about how to reintegrate ourselves, remove you know emotional traumas that has been blocked in our body and the like therapy that goes into that and the process that goes into that, and just so much goodness in this episode. So I'm really excited you tuned in today. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode and chat with Jess. Jess, thanks for hanging out with me on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk about some of your work and also your work with Rise Journeys. So before we get into that, um tell me a little bit about what you do in, in your own work. What is your in your own words, what is your work?
1: My, my work is uh well, my background, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So that's my kind of my Western um work. If you will, I've been a therapist, mental health therapist for 10 years. Um I'm also a Phoenix Rising yoga therapist. Um for the last two years I've brought uh the body into therapy in a very uh concrete way that um, really blends well with traditional therapy.
0: I see. Yeah. And I, I saw that and I'm really, I really want to dive into a number of those things. Um, how, how does, when did you start in your professional career bringing the body into therapy? What did you, for instance, were you a counselor first and then did you do yoga or have you always done yoga and kind of merged or integrated the two?
1: Yeah. So, okay. So in 2010 is when I began my private practice, just, um, so I got my master's in social work, and then it took two years after that to get my clinical hours um, under a psychologist here in Boise. But from from working under her is where I started my private practice, and that was in 2010. And very traditional approaches, very traditional Western um, approaches for about seven years. And I would say uh, I personally started getting into yoga about 2015. So I went and got my 200-hour um teacher certificate to be just a, a yoga teacher. Um and then from there my spiritual practice, personal spiritual practice just took off. Um and I think a lot of people could probably relate that once they start to evolve, it's really hard to separate that from their work. And so Yeah. Yeah. So then in two thousand seventeen is when I started a two year program with Phoenix Rising yoga therapy. Um and I traveled um, all over the world actually to get trainings through them and um, bring it back here to Boise.
0: So what's the, what, what is the um, like ideology behind Phoenix rising therapy? Talk about that type type in, in just uh, differentiating between regular yoga practice.
1: Yeah, that's a good differentiation. Um, so yoga therapy, the Phoenix rising approach is specifically based in Carl Rogers, um, he's a psychologist, a Carl Rogers work, which is based in unconditional positive regard. So that's a psychology term that um, it's it's a way of um, really uncovering what is hidden in the subconscious mind. So it's an eyes closed practice. We're not doing yoga poses or anything like that. Um, oh, yeah. The word yoga, because we're we're so westernized over here, we think of you know yoga flows and yoga just means um, union. Union of body, mind, and spirit, and so okay. so yoga therapy is just a way to bring the body, mind, and spirit into mental health practice. So there's a. I
0: this, see.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you. I, I,
0: I was a little bit. I I, th- I assumed that too. That it was some type of an integration, but I see what you're what you're meaning. I, we do get so attached to words as human beings, don't we? You're like, oh, this is. I know what this is. It's like <laughs> right. so. So it's not you're not doing, you're not doing like the poses and stuff. You're, it's more of a, uh, would you say it is, is it talk? Are you you talking in this type of therapy or how does the process work?
1: Yep. It's both. So there's a dialogue process at Phoenix Rising really did a great job at Um, facilitating this Carl Rogers type approach, which is an eyes closed process for the client. So the client's eyes are closed and there is a dialogue process where I act as just a space holder mirroring back to them what their body is telling them. Um, And, and sometimes there is movement. Like I'll have them stand up. We'll make certain movements with their eyes closed to just kind of explore deeper in the body of what's coming up for them. Um, Mm -hmm. And from there, we can actually gather information that's not in their conscious awareness and bring it to awareness. And then from there, they can take that into their life, make changes or implement whatever information came up for them.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Sounds really transformative.
1: Yeah, it, it seems to be.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. How long has this Phoenix Rising uh, practice and therapy been around? Is it a fairly new I guess, um, mm-hmm. I, pr- practice or therapy,
1: you know, um, Michael Lee is the founder of Phoenix rising yoga therapy. And I believe, um, I believe he started Phoenix rising yoga therapy in the seventies and mm-hmm. it has really just blossomed and changed into what it is today. It's not super well known over here. <laughs> in fact, actually, um, insurance covers Phoenix rising yoga therapy, Techniques and oh really? And, well, not here. I was going to say, I wish it did oh, here. Oh, we're a little behind, but up in you know, <laughs> Canada they do. And um, anyway, okay,
0: yeah. wow. So, so it's being more accepted and integrated into mainstream in other places, and maybe not so much here.
1: Yeah, we're we're not quite there yet, but I think we're getting there.
0: Yeah, we lag a little behind sometimes, don't we? <laughs> we do. <laughs> That's really interesting. Okay, so Phoenix, right? So your yoga practice in 2015, then Phoenix Yoga, you integrated with your work in 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, What was that transition like when you started practicing yoga, you know, after being a a social worker, you said it, you know, transformed you, uh, gave you some spiritual transformation. Talk about that experience a little bit, if you would.
1: Yeah. Um, so your question is what it, what it did for me personally.
0: Yeah. Kind of how did it, uh, what, what, what went on inside of you and how did it kind of help you have a better experience in life?
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I can tell you that, um, until I personally started acknowledging my body in a way that was helpful, it, uh, it, I was, I was stuck in my mind. And so I've had Anxiety, you know, I I struggle, still struggle with anxiety a little bit, but I can tell you, before I started to do yoga, um, it was something that I didn't quite know how to get out of, um, because it's very thought pattern based, and mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times people don't quite know how to get out of those thought loops, and and everything they need is in their body, and so once I started to realize everything that I need is already within me in my body, all the information that I'm looking for, I don't have to search outside of myself.
0: Wow. So it was yeah. very
1: helpful for me. Yep.
0: It is interesting. We we live so much of, of our lives in our mind. I mean our mind's a great tool, but it can also be a trap, can't it?
1: Oh yeah. Very much. Yeah.
0: I I think about that all the time. And, you know, when we get into these situations where we're trying to solve our problems by thinking through and this and that, and it just, it is, it's like a loop and it just continues like an insanity uh, loop. It's not, (laughs) it's not beneficial.
1: (laughs) It's not, it's very limited.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. So, so you, you've been, so yoga practice, yoga therapy, um, what, what portion of your work do for instance, when people come to see you now in your practice, do you, do you, you, I mean, what, what type of therapy or modality do you use on them mostly? Or does it just depend on the person? I mean, are you all using Phoenix yoga or do you do different? Because obviously you have a counseling background too. And so how do you, how do you approach for the individual when they come to see you?
1: Yeah. Um. It, to be honest what I do is I I don't show up with an agenda and I let it unfold and within within bound you know with boundaries sure. I hold and because sometimes you know the reality is sometimes people just need to talk sometimes they just actually need to talk for a session but I'm real the boundaries that I keep are you know at least every other maybe every third session that we do some kind of embodied practice. Um, and I also do breath work. I just want to put that out there too. Is I, and
0: I want to chat. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did because I definitely want to touch on that too. Um, so so you, you make sure that you integrate some level of body work in with your counseling practices, is what you're saying. Is that right?
1: Yeah, because I think the, the missing link that I have found is, you know, people will go to get sessions of just embodiment, right? They'll go to their Reiki practitioner or they'll go to an energy healer or whatever that looks like. But what they're not getting is actually the mental health clinical, if you will, integration of what just happened for them. So you, you can't completely burn down the, the, uh, the mind, if you will, because it does Yeah. Start. So it's a way to blend the two together so it's a little more balanced.
0: I see. Yeah. And that's what I think is so fascinating about, you know, not only your work that you're doing, but also your collaboration with um, Suzanne. And, and I definitely want to touch on that. Are you seeing this as a general trend in the field? or Because I, I really haven't seen this before. Not that I'm super knowledgeable about what's going on in counseling and therapy, but what, what are you seeing out in the, gen, in the general world? Are, are other practitioners doing what you and Suzanne and what you've been doing?
1: Well, let's see. Um, I would say here in Boise... I mean, e-
0: either globally, yeah, or, or globally or locally, whatever you...
1: I, yes, definitely globally. I would say locally is a little bit difficult to find anything like, at least I'm not aware of anything like what we're... I can doing. imagine. Yeah. Because we're we're acknowledging, we're acknowledging the energy, we're acknowledging the body, all parts of it instead of just the psychology.
0: Yeah. Well, it it does, you know, I've seen this in my own life and then I've seen it in general in the world is it does seem like when there's a, when there's a new insight or a new type of therapy or a new type of transformational process, it's like you just dump the thing you've, you've been doing or, and you just rush to, it seems like the crowd rushes to the new thing and like leaves the other thing by the side of the road. Yeah. And I, that's why I think it's so awesome that the integration, because you're right. We can't, Forget about the mind. I mean, it's going to be with us all the time. But I like the fact that it's like using both part of those and integrating that, so it kind of like bridges that gap. And I know that you and Suzanne have talked about that a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Um, to, before we jump into maybe talking about what you and Suzanne are doing, talk about the breath work. What is tantric breath work?
1: Uh, well, what we Suzanne and I both went to California. We were trained in um, something that's called a two-part pranayama. In other words, a two-part breath work um, by Michael Brian Baker. He's with the Breath Center, and um, it is a receptive breath. So I, I tend to to really emphasize that this is a receiving breath, a receptive breath, also known as a yin breath. Um, so we're not; it's it's active, but it's also all through the mouth and it's two parts so you breathe all the way into your belly and then you bring that breath up into your heart and then just simply let it fall out your mouth so the the process Mm. is very receptive instead of kind of you know some people have heard of holotropic breath work um that's more of like a yang or masculine breath where you're forcing the breath in and out this is very open receptive receiving and we live in a world where everyone is so go, 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 do the things, check the boxes. And this breath really balances that out by letting them receive in a different way. I can
0: imagine. Yeah. So, so that's their thinking behind it, that we need to, we need to work more on our receiving and this helps to facilitate that. Is that the idea?
1: It does. It's funny. um, Even just that languaging is so interesting because you're the, you're not the first person that says that like well am i doing it right like am i work we're uh-huh. <laughs> gonna, right. gonna work on my breath it's like actually just receive your breath <laughs> just receive
0: isn't that funny the most vital life force and I'm just as guilty of this is like am I breathing right or am I you know and I I often forget to breathe and people are like uh you know if I'm in a a situation where I'm like doing that type of thing um the other day I was in a crystal shop and the gal I was picking out a a pendulum and the gal was saying you know you got to breathe and it is it is my you know my practice that I'm continually thinking oh yeah I've got to breathe
1: right so you
0: find that you find that in your work too it sounds like
1: Oh yeah, very much. And that is the work, you know, the work is to let go of our agenda to have to be a certain way or have to do it right or have to get the right answer. We have to, it's a practice of getting out of our own way is really what it Mm -hmm. is. Yeah.
0: Wow. And I can see how, you know, this is all integrating in with like, you know, the yoga and the the body practice, because it is interesting whenever you're doing something, with the body, you have no choice but to breathe, right? I mean, it makes you breathe, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does.
0: <laughs> you don't have to think, "Am I doing it right?" Or <laughs> right. that's that's why I think it's so fascinating. It's probably very healing to to do this body type work and therapy.
1: I I want, yes, I believe it is, and and I want to empower people to understand they don't have to go find a yoga class to be able to be in their body in the same way that they that they experience when they go to a yoga class. It's available to them all the time.
0: Just in general, day-to-day mm-hmm.
1: experience
0: and uh, movement and stuff like that, is that kind of what you're, you're yeah. referring to?
1: Well, and awareness. So sometimes people mm. move to a yoga class and they're like, wow, I just had this amazing experience. I feel more free in my body. I feel, you know, or even I had this emotion that moved through me when I did this backbend or whatever that is. And that's wonderful. And they don't have to go to a yoga class to know that they hold that that anytime, anytime they can have that awareness in their body.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell me a little bit about what happens when, like you mentioned earlier, that you when you just do the Reiki or you just do body work, maybe there's some unprocessing uh, cognitively of things that are going on. Talk about what that is and how that can help to, I guess, further release those things that maybe have been, dislodged in a Reiki or a yoga practice that you do in counseling or therapy?
1: Yeah, such a good question. So what I mean by that is, when I'll just speak for myself, when I've gone to, you know, spiritual healers of any kind, it has been extremely helpful for me. But what it did lack was an actual bringing, bringing it down to the 3D, because the reality is we live in the 3D, we have to navigate life, we have to navigate Relationships, we have to navigate um, boundaries with within uh, the three D, if you will. And so, when we go and get this other energetic work done, I think what is lacking is this kind of logical sense to it. Like, okay, well, what did you just learn from your body, and then how can you actually apply that to your everyday life? Hmm. So simple. Yeah,
0: I would agree with that. Yeah, so so that and that process is more where you bring on the clinical side and talk about those things? Is that kind of how you approach it?
1: I do. Yeah, I do. It's bringing all that esoteric, you know, 5D, if you will, experiences, which are very real and so packed with with wisdom and then making it applicable because that's what we're lacking.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes really good sense. I never really thought about it in that way. Um, and, then, and then that further helps to, I mean, I'm assuming that further helps to to, for to process and release it and either deal with it, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, then the empowering part about that is you can, you can understand, what, let's say, for example, you go and you, you go get a past life regression done and you find out all about, you know, supposedly your past lives and all the karma that you brought in and all that stuff. Well, that's great. And it might be empowering to know all of that or, or resonate with that. But then what do you do with it? you know? Mm. And, and that's like, that's really important. What do you do with that now? How can you integrate that into this life, into this day? You know?
0: Yeah. You know, it's, I, it's interesting you touch on that because I, I find that with, with information or just, I shouldn't say information, knowledge in general, sometimes it's like putting so much knowledge in, whether it's from books or even from knowing yourself better, right? Uncovering these things. It's like, how is this going to help me right now? And what should I do with it? You yep. know, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. And I do love that about, you know, traditional therapy is working with very, I mean, we're, they work with a treatment plan I did for 10 years, you know, a treatment planning, you step-by-step, step, you diagnose the person, which I don't, I don't do anymore, but there is, there is um, wisdom in understanding that there's got to be some logical boundaries to what, um, what you do with all the information. Mm hmm.
0: So. Yeah. I'm um, just out of curiosity. Why don't you diagnose or tend to diagnose people anymore? Um, What's ha- what, what did that what brought about that?
1: So when I started working in the body, I, I did realize the limitations of just going through a checklist of the quote symptoms that clients are presenting. Um, so for example, if if I was still doing traditional therapy and billing insurance, um, oh, after the first intake appointment, which is an hour, I would ask a series of questions to understand what diagnosis I was working with and it started to feel just not aligned with my soul anymore. I don't mm. there's no there's no judgment on it. I don't, you know, think that it's quote wrong necessarily, but for me and where I'm at in my work it limits from the very beginning the potential that that client and i have to do some real deep healing because it's an agenda from the very mm. beginning.
0: Yeah to get to that diagnosis
1: yeah and also like if let's say somebody meets all the criteria supposedly for bipolar disorder then then in my mind i'm i'm following a protocol to treat this person for bipolar versus seeing them as this whole Person that has all these experiences, in, instead of kind of pigeonholing them, if you will, into mm-hmm. a criteria to work with. Um, so I just, I just personally don't resonate with that approach at this time anymore.
0: I can see why. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so how did you and Suzanne meet, and what, what was the impetus for your collaboration?
1: You know, it's uh, Suzanne and I were like. <laughs> I, she is one of the most important people to me in my whole life. She came into my life at a time where I was looking to collaborate to expand my business. And our friend Marcy actually connected us. And in a, a way that I can't really describe, um, our friendship flourished into what it is, what's now a business. Um, so... It wasn't planned. I think that's the beauty of it is when Suzanne and I met, we didn't have an agenda of, oh, we're going to start a business together. We actually were just collaborating and talking. And then, you know, it just really became evident that we needed to bring something forward to Boise, at least to Boise and hopefully beyond. um, That was kind of beyond us. And it just. Yeah.
0: So so you were just introduced by this mutual friend and found out you guys really. fit well together. (laughs) And so that was, that was, when did that, when did you guys start your Rise Journeys, I guess, uh, um, collaboration then?
1: Well, let's see. Um, It's been over a year now. And this, this mutual friend, her name was Marcy. um, She was involved in the very, very beginning stages of kind of looking at things um, I would say through last summer. And then Suzanne and I, took the reins, just her and I, about July, I think, of last year. And so it's been almost a year okay. since Suzanne and I have been creating it.
0: Okay. Well, and and that's how I first met Suzanne. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's I first met Suzanne a few months ago, and she was talking about her work individually and then your work uh, with Rise, you and her work with Rise Journeys. And it sounds fascinating to me, and I can totally see this like holistic approach um so you guys are you've what you're one class in is is the first class wrapped up now as, and you're into your second coming up on your second class
1: yeah our or first, co- session yep we did we launched our first group um what we call it our journey if you will it's the three-part process that we just completed our first one and we wanted to do a second one, but realized that we're, we really actually need to work on getting our online presence a little bit more buffed up if you will. Um, so our next journey is okay. all, um,
0: okay. Okay. So, yeah. so you're sh- sh- a little bit of shift of focus to focus on your, on the online portion. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because what we were some feedback we were getting and then also just personally what we're realizing is we want to be accessible to many people, not just people that can afford kind of the in-person. So we want to evergreen our information. We want to get our information out there on an online platform that people can maybe pay less for Um and the, then, kind of save our energy, if you will, for the on um, or excuse me, the in-person stuff, uh, maybe in in the fall. So we're just trying to make it kind of workable yeah. for everyone.
0: I can totally see that. You know, we are in such a digital connected age, and it seems like. Um, yeah, why limit the work that you're doing to to local? I know that that's how how it typically starts. You know, it's just mm-hmm. to, as you're facilitating these these groups, um, the journeys. But yeah, I think that's that sounds awesome to open it up to a broader audience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're feeling wow. well to do that.
0: Yeah. I can see that. So um, and in now you're st- so even though you're collaborating with Suzanne, you still you and her both still. Run your private practices too, right? Your private work.
1: Yeah, we do. Yep, we each have our own businesses. Yep.
0: Okay. Talk about what what a day for you like is. Um, do you, to give us a little glimpse into like what goes on in a day for therapy and um in in your own work, you know, separate from Suzanne, if you would.
1: Sure. Yeah. So a day for me uh, looks like seeing between six and sometimes nine. <laughs> Feels a little too much, but nine clients, um, a day, (laughs) and, um, and it looks like, um, you know, they're hour sessions, and they come in, and depending on where they're personally at in their process, we either do breath work that day, we do an embodied session, a yoga therapy session, or we do some processing. And processing can look like writing. I also do lots of writing exercises, um, speaking kind of like speaking and owning their, their story exercises where they read their story back and we refine it. Um, I do some um, EMDR type techniques. I'm not trained in EMDR um, formally, but I do okay. use EMDR techniques, which are kind of like tapping on the body in different ways. Um, okay. So that a typical day looks like anything in that area that people are needing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seeing clients and helping them, obviously.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what about, so you touched on the fact that some of these newer, or I guess newer um, processes are covered by insurance in other countries. What's covered here? What? How many clients, I mean, what type of stuff is covered by insurance that you, in your practice, in your work?
1: Well, what what is covered in my work is talk therapy. Yeah. <laughs> that is
0: talk therapy. Okay. Yeah, Traditional talk therapy sounds.
1: Yeah, because the okay. I, if I put my hands on anyone, which I do in the other type work is hands on, um it's not covered. There's no they can't cover it.
0: Okay, there's no reimbursement. Is is just out of curiosity, is talk is the t- the talking part of therapy is it reimbursed at uh, uh, I guess it depends on the insurance plan, but is it fully accepted? I mean, obviously that's a fully accepted treatment in insurance. Mm-hmm. Is that a correct statement?
1: It is. yes, I but since okay. I, I've removed myself from insurance panels um, because I don't choose to diagnose anymore. So they oh, that's right. But since I'm licensed, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, so they can submit to their insurance, um, and then the insurance can reimburse them directly. Um, but I, because I've, yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah. So you're not, you're not diagnosing anyone per se anymore. So you're out of that, um, Mm -hmm. out of that sphere.
1: Exactly. But they can, because I they can always go get reimbursed if they would like.
0: Okay. On their own, just submit it to their insurance company. That's what I was curious about. Are you seeing other practitioners do that in your field or is that something new where they're kind of stepping away from the, the diagnosis? portion
1: you know um i haven't seen many practitioners actually step away from diagnosing yet because it's pretty it's i don't know if the word rebellious is that but it's it's tricky tricky i can imagine you know there's some some limitations with that but what i have seen people do is um is start to own that they're worth more than an insurance company is going to tell them they're worth and so they are doing more private pay options Mm -hmm. that's awesome to see that
0: it is really because, yeah. Once once you put your, I guess, health and well being in the hands of another an insurance company or the government, so to speak, you're kind of giving up a lot of control, and then they box you in in certain ways.
1: Yeah. Yep. I, I would. I'm agree. Seeing,
0: yeah, I'm seeing that a little bit in the medical industry as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, where there, you know, some practitioners and are moving away from that and just going on a cash pay basis and kind of getting past all the, I guess the mess of, cause they have their own diagnostic code issue over there, don't they? <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone's coming into this like personal authority, if you will, or personal um, responsibility. And that goes for both client and practitioner. And so what I've personally noticed is the people that are willing to come and see me and pay out of pocket are making transformation in their life 10 times faster than the people that would come see me weekly and give me a $20 copay.
0: Um, Mm.
1: It's, it's something we can't avoid. This is just my opinion, but you, you, if you've got more skin in the game, you're going to work harder. You're going to do the work. And so it's, it's, it's putting responsibility on the client and also responsibility on me to step up and do my best work
0: yeah that makes perfect sense jess i totally can see that yeah when you have skin in the game you're you're more invested
1: yep yep
0: yeah i really like that um so what tell me a little bit about what your experience has been with uh either emotional trauma or things that have happened in in like this life or like you mentioned maybe past life stuff that gets locked into the body and releasing that i mean obviously this process of the body work and then the talking about it is, um, beneficial to doing that. But can you share a little bit about your insights in that, about how emotions get stuck in our body? Cause I'm, I'm sure you kind of, that's kind of what your work sounds like it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess just talk about how that happens and the the process behind that, if you can.
1: Sure. Um, if I, yeah, if I get off Tracker, if I'm not answering your question, let me know. (laughs) Um,
0: Sure. No, you're doing great.
1: I think I understood what you're asking. But um, so the process, it's uh, something that you it's experiential, meaning that um, until you drop into your body and explore the areas that have been asking for your attention for so long, it's you can't really access it. So, for example, somebody can come into me and say, I have I have chronic low back issues, you know, I've always had it or my, my sciatica, you know, hurts or whatever. And when we start dropping into that area of the body, they, we have them close their eyes, there's the dialogue process that ensues, it's, a, it's somewhat of a hypnotic state. And when we can get them mm-hmm. really to drop into that area, so much information comes out, sometimes memories, like, wow, I'm, I'm storing a lot of anger in my low back. And then with, you know, what emotions are there? And then I'll ask, um, what, what would this area of your body want you to know? Or ask what this part of you has to say. And then from there, sometimes emotions will come up or some, sometimes a memory of some kind. And from there, we just work with it. We, whose voice is that? Or, or where did that come from? And so there's just a lot that we store we're not even aware of on a conscious level.
0: That's what I've heard, and that's what I think is so interesting about your work is that you know i've I've heard this before that the these emotions get get stuck in our body in different places, and then they they represent as you know illness or pain or even you know, like physical things yeah. going on. Um, and I think that's really fascinating. Do you find that people are like, do people know that on an on like a conscious level that these things? Because I there was a point in time where I didn't realize that. You know, you you kind of come to this awareness in life that oh, the body is this like you know hard drive that gets plugged in with these things. It almost feels like these you know experiences and emotions. Do you find people are surprised to find that out, or are they
1: are they <laughs> yeah. like
0: aware of it on some um, level? Well,
1: it, well, I shouldn't speak for everyone, but many people you know, when that experience is over, they open their eyes and are like, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> like what, mm. what was it, you know, and, and the beauty is this is profoundly simple work. It's when you bring your awareness, just your awareness to something, it goes away. So I can't tell you how many times somebody has come in and they've got tons of anxiety in their chest area and they're holding, you know, it aches, their chest aches, you know, their heart aches. And when we drop in there, and they acknowledge it. And they say, you know, they give it a voice, they give that part of their body a voice. All of a sudden, the next thing they'll say is, Oh, my God, that's it's gone. I what I don't know what just happened. Uh-huh. but it's gone. And it's because you just shot you sh- put a light on it. And it got the acknowledgement that it was wanting.
0: Wow, I think that that is so awesome, Jess, because I definitely see that as being the case. I mean, sometimes I think we human beings we we think we need to like really get in there and like process it and do this thing. but there's this kind of like natural healing thing that goes on, like you say, just when you bring, bring awareness to it or just when you acknowledge it. And then I think for me in my own experience, when that's happened, it's like, oh, duh, of course, I don't want to carry that anymore. Or Of course, that's not valid. Is that what you find is that when people yeah. look at it in the conscious light, it's like, uh, okay, I don't need this anymore. Chuck it.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. It's like, <laughs> they, they're, they're like, well, I guess I now that I see it, I can let it go. But when you can't see it, you can't let it go.
0: So interesting. It's so interesting because, you know, I, I've always been fascinated with this idea of, well, I shouldn't say always, but more recently of do we need to know what or do we need to process things that have happened to us or can we simply focus on what? You know, feeling better and what we want to happen, and w- what we're what was kind of coming up here is that it's really important to process that. Is from what I'm getting from your from your work, or at least to to be aware of it. Because sometimes I think, okay, if you just shut off the awareness of you know, or just focus, it's not really a shut off of awareness of things that have happened in past this past life or whatever, but more focus on you know, feeling good and stuff like that. That it will just diminish that. But it sounds like there's real validity to Uh, being aware of those things and being able to release them. Would you say that's accurate?
1: Yeah. The word that's coming up is I was hearing you is um, integrating it. So yeah, there's, Mm. uh, I love how you just said, you know, it's not shutting it off, but it's acknowledging it, but not staying, not staying in it. So for example, like traditional talk therapy, one trap that, that I would always find is you'd go straight to, you know, mother issues, father issues, abuse in the past, you know, and then what happens is it's like, it's almost like the client hypnotizes you. <laughs> I don't know. How oh, really? Well, okay. Not really in that sense. Well, well
0: no, I, I, I see I what you're saying. Yeah. I just t- chat about, yeah. Tell me about that.
1: Like, so it's super, it's super easy to fall into the old dysfunctional story that the client is showing up with because it's so fascinating. It's like, wow, well, tell me more about that. Tell me more about what happened and, and right. while kind of doing work. It's also kind of feeding that old story that they're actually wanting help getting free from. And so if we, that's why we've got to balance it out. We got to get into the subconscious and get different information so they can start making a new story. They can start to create a completely different, view of themselves because how they see themselves right now is based on past only past.
0: Yeah. I I totally can imagine like what you're saying because we do we, we sometimes seem I can see you know you getting drawn into the drama or that situation and becoming a part of it and that's what i'm kind of referring to in this sense like you don't want to like keep activating an old story and making it you know putting it back in your consciousness every single day or every time you go to a therapist and so so how do you do that um i guess that's where you your professional work comes in to not be attached to that story and let let them process it out how do you go about doing that not getting pulled in (laughs)
1: Lots of redirecting, and sometimes it sometimes (laughs) sometimes it seems abrupt for the client because it's sometimes they will go off down this kind of rabbit hole, and what that actually is is trauma. It's it's their trauma that's trying to get free, and sometimes that comes across as spiraling, if you will, kind of down into this story. And I'll just stop them, say stop, feel your body, come back to now, what's happening in your body, and then we I can redirect them into what do you want to believe? Like, what do you actually want your, your story to be? And all of a sudden, it kind of takes them out of that, if you will, that hypnotic state of just like, oh, yeah, I was just spiraling in that eddy. what do I actually want?
0: Yeah, because we we get so attached to our stories. And then when people try to take even though it's a, an unbeneficial, unhelpful story, and like, Concept when people try to take it from us or let it, or ask us just to drop it down, we get really defensive, right? Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> what you don't want to hear my story?
0: <laughs> exactly, I've been carrying this thing for twenty years. It's my, you know, I'm so integrated with it, you know. And I can, w- when you mentioned that, I can instantly see the differentiation between sharing that type of story with a friend who is not experienced in professional counseling. And a professional, I imagine the person's demeanor changes and they, they're not as defensive with you because they know you're there to help them. And not that friends aren't, but they don't have those tools, do they?
1: Exactly. And I love that because oh, I've actually said this to clients before is I don't think you're paying me to stay with you here. Like, I don't think that that's what you really are wanting. I think you actually want help to get out of this. And so if you can just trust me, which is why they're there, is they're taking a risk that this person has something that I might benefit from. And so I do kind of have to take that role of you're here and I'm also here to do a job and it's not to keep you stuck in that. And so I I am going to kind of push you to to go a different direction. And that might be hard.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I, and you're right. Just them coming to you is a huge, um. you know, intent, setting an intent that I want this. I want to get better. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's a good way to weed people out that actually are wanting to change versus just kind of want to be heard, which is there's value in wanting to be heard and witnessed. Um, but there does come a point where there is that personal accountability of that. I am going to hold people to because I think that's actually what people want. I do. I
0: can imagine. Sure. Yeah. I totally agree because yeah. once they're to that point where they're, where they're seeking professional help and they've gone through all of their, or they're, they're tired of talking with it about, you know, friends and or not, then they, they they do. I can see they do want that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Interesting. Um, well, Jess, yeah, I've really enjoyed chatting with you in this session and having you share your work. Mm -hmm. Um, before we wrap up, talk a little bit about, um, so you mentioned you're you're working on uh, Rise Journeys, more developing the online presence. What t- talk about what other future projects either in your own work or Rise Journeys? I know your plate is really full right now, so maybe that is the extent of it. But give us a glimpse of the future for you know Yothera Rise and also uh, also um, Rise Journeys. Yeah, a little more glimpse, I guess I should say.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I um I actually am taking a, a mini sabbatical this summer to, to develop my personal work a little bit more. So I'm beginning to offer a little bit longer sessions. I believe I'll do about 75 minute sessions instead of an hour. Um, just kind of restructuring it so that people are getting more time to drop deeper into into their work into the work with me but also into their bodies. And so I, I'm going to be coming up with packages that are affordable for people that want to do long-term work with me. Um, I'm also probably going to develop some online work for just Yothera, which is um, maybe more videos. I actually would like to start some kind of a, a way to share myself more on a social platform. I'm not sure what that looks like yet, but, um, that's all going to be in the works for me this summer and, mm-hmm. um, starting in the fall, uh, Rise Journeys is going to be starting up again, um probably with groups and possible retreats. And um, I might also be doing some some groups for Yothera, just Yothera as well. So that's I see
0: of- yeah. lots of exciting things coming down the line.
1: Yeah, really exciting.
0: While we're on that topic, and this was one thing I wanted to ask you, what is the meaning of the word Yothera? Is that a word that you came up with or t- tell me about that?
1: i uh that's a yeah that's the brand that i came up with last summer i wanted to i love it (laughs) yeah yeah um so it's a combination of yoga and therapy obviously yothera and that just is you know as i said earlier yoga meaning all parts of a person just means union so it's the union of traditional therapy and embodied yoga practices which means union of Spirit, I
0: think it's a great, it's a great word. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I saw a little bit of your mentioning your sabbatical on social media. Um, and I can tell you we're excited about that. So there's, there's some new, um, like energy shifting in your professional world too, aren't there?
1: Yeah, I I need to create space for me to actually create what people are wanting. And uh, I've just obviously been busy with Rise Journeys and just the daily grind, if you will, that I need this so I can show up and offer what people are really wanting in a different way. So it'll be great.
0: Well, and it's it I definitely can see that. I mean, obviously, if you're Working with clients and you're working on pushing content out, sometimes you have to kind of pull back and kind of see where, this, where the direction wants to go and kind of work, work with process and some things, don't you?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Giving myself some space. Yep.
0: So that sounds like this summer. Well, that's awesome. Um, before we wrap up, tell people how they can uh, get in touch with you. And I will also put all of these links to your website and Yothera Rise and Rise Journeys in my website. But just for people listening, um, Mm -hmm. share your websites or social media where people can go and find out more about you and your work.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So my website is yotherarise.com. And then any social media, so Instagram and Facebook primarily is I am Yothera Rise. So Y-O-T-H-E-R-A-R-I-S-E. You can find me on there and I post pretty frequently. I also would love people to join my newsletter. Um, I push out a lot of content on that as well. I, I put my writing in there. Um, I do a lot of okay. writing. So and, means-
0: and can they join that on Yothera Rise?
1: Yep, they can go to my website and there's a link that says join the newsletter um, at the bottom of the main page.
0: Okay, so you push how you push out a newsletter as well. You are pretty busy, aren't you?
1: <laughs> I. Definitely, I'm an artist by nature. I just create a lot. <laughs>
0: so. it's, yeah, but, but I can see why you're really probably going to you know, enjoy this sabbatical, um, yeah. especially because I know you got you and it, it appears you and Susanna put a lot of work into Rise Journeys, and I know that takes a lot of time to create you know, a course and a process, and um, I can see why, you're, why this seems like a good time to do a sabbatical.
1: Yeah, it's good redirection time, and it will—it'll go so fast, won't even blink an eye before it's over. Yeah, it,
0: uh, yeah, it really does. Okay, so the newsletter, and I'll also mention that in the show notes, and you know, put all those links and give people the the resources there. Well, Jess, I really appreciate you hanging out with me and sharing, you know, yoga therapy and your work and your work with Rise Journeys, and I. I'm going to definitely follow you and Suzanne. I've watched a few of your videos and I it's just fascinating what you two are doing.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you reaching out and the opportunity to share. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You're welcome. Well, thanks again. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. well, what'd you think of that episode? Isn't that awesome? I want to thank Jess for joining me again. It's super awesome to talk with her and hear about her work. So much goodness in what her and Suzanne are doing and each of them in their own respective uh, businesses, but just really bringing a holistic approach to helping us heal ourselves and become better and more effective in the world and realize our goals and dreams. I just see so much goodness there. And I look forward to following their journey with Rise Journeys and individually in their practices. Uh, You know, by the way, Again, I will put all of the links to what Jess mentioned as her website, YotheraRise.com, and also her Facebook page, and also the Rise Journeys Facebook page. That's also another awesome resource that you can connect with. I've watched some of the videos and content on there, and just a lot of goodness in what they're doing. So I will always put that in the show notes beneath the episode and what Jess mentioned, I'll reiterate that in the show notes beneath this episode at episode 114 on my website, gmarkphillips.com. All the links will link back to there. Even if you're watching this on YouTube, please go and check out the show notes so you can have access to those links to what Jess is doing with her, her work at Yothera and also rise journeys. I'll put all the links there. So That's the episode. I want to thank you a lot for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up when it goes up on YouTube. And let me know your feedback. Let me know what your experience is with some of the topics that Jess mentioned in this episode. I'd love to hear that. The best place to do that is always on YouTube, in my opinion leave a comment below. I respond to every comment and I'd love to get your feedback on what your sense is from some of the work that Jess and Suzanne is doing, are doing in the world. So that's an awesome place to do it. All right, well, let's wrap up the podcast. I really do appreciate you listening. And until next time, all the best, health, wealth, and success. Bye-bye.